In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let's read together from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received the mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves your bond servants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard depressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what's written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Grace of God the Father be with all of us. Amen. By the way, this chapter was the Pauline letter of this liturgy today. There is a word that St. Paul repeated twice in this chapter. In verse 1, he said, we do not lose heart. In verse 16, he repeated again, therefore, we do not lose heart. Uh, 
So I like to speak with you about we do not lose heart in the ministry, in the service. The outline of our sermon will be first part, what are the reasons according to St. Paul here that make the servant lose heart or fall in despair? And St. Paul mentioned in this chapter four reasons. We will discuss them. Then, what are the reasons that we should not lose heart in spite of these four reasons? And St. Paul mentioned in this chapter seven reasons that encourage the servant in order not to lose heart or to fall in despair in spite of all the opposition against us. And finally, what is the application? What this means to me? What does this mean to me that I do not lose heart? How can I apply this in my service? And St. Paul spoke about five points as application when the servant does not lose heart. So actually, it's a Bible study in chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. All what I'm going to say today is from this chapter, not nothing from outside this chapter. So what are the reasons that uh, can make the person lose heart? First reason in verse 3. The veiled gospel. He said, but even if our gospel is veiled, what does it mean, the, the veiled gospel? You preach the word of God. You do visitation. You speak one-on-one. You try actually to help your students to renew their mind. But in spite of all the efforts that you are doing, you feel that the gospel is veiled in their heart. So you start falling in despair. What can I do more than this? I tried. I talked to him. I explained the Bible to him. I tried to explain the way of repentance. I encouraged him. I visited him. What can I do and I didn't do? Why the gospel is veiled? So that is the first reason. But St. Paul said, answered this question and said, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. At the end, the other person has to make a decision to accept the gospel of God, the word of God. The Lord did all what he can do with Judas, for example. But Judas decided not to accept the gospel of Christ. That's why the gospel is veiled. So, as long as you examined yourself and you discussed with your spiritual father or the Sunday school coordinator what you have done and you will continue to do it. Don't lose heart if the gospel is veiled. As St. Paul said, 
if our gospel is veiled, is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, Satan, has blinded. You talk to a person, for example, about drugs, but the God of this age, Satan, has blinded him. He doesn't see anything wrong in taking drugs. You talk to them about homosexuality. Nothing in his mind. He's blind. He believes nothing wrong with homosexuality. It is just a, a, a sexual preference. And why I'm condemned for saying I'm homosexual, etc. So the God of this age has blinded their mind who do not believe who do not believe, who do not accept the gospel of Christ. Why Satan blinded their mind? Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So Satan is blinding their mind. And actually, I can see more and more people now because of the effect of the world around us. How many people they give in to Satan and let Satan blind their mind. But this doesn't mean we give up on them. No. We will continue hoping one day they will be released from this captivity. So I will continue working with them. I will continue serving them. I will never give up on them until their last breath. The Lord never give up on Judas until the last moment he talked to him. He never gave up on Judas. But if you are doing your service faithfully and wisely, don't lose heart if you feel that the gospel of Christ is veiled in some people. This is the first reason. The second reason in verse 7. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessel. Earthen vessel means fragile, easy to be broken. So, usually, if you have a treasure, you will never put it in something fragile or can be uh, broken easily. But why God allowed us to have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel of Christ in earthen vessels? What does it mean earthen vessels? For example, we are hard pressed uh, on every side. People attack us from every side. So there, there are challenges. Families don't support our ministry. People from outside attack us. Uh, our students themselves, they attack us. So you feel you are hard depressed. Besides, your work, your responsibility. So you are pressured from every side. So that's one challenge in the service. 
Sirach said, My son, if you presented yourself to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for many tribulations. Another thing, we are perplexed. Perplexed means you don't know which direction you should take. For example, now we are perplexed. Should we open the church 100% for people, like restaurants, or not? Some people will support this decision, some people will be against this decision. Should we resume Sunday school and ask people to come and attend in person, or not? Schools are open. Should we open Sunday school? We are perplexed. Some people say yes, some people say no. Some people will support, some people will antagonize. We are perplexed. Another earthen vessel. Another reason. We are struck down. Struck down. From the attacks, from the persecution. Struck down maybe Satan is, stri- is hitting me, attacking me. I, I fall in sin. I am still enslaved to some bad habits. I cannot uh, overcome these bad habits. So how can I go and speak to my class about, for example, prayer and I don't pray, about the scripture and I don't read the scripture, about purity, I'm not living in purity. So I feel I'm struck down under all these burdens of sin. What can I do? So. Sometimes we feel persecuted, uh, persecuted from non-Christians, persecuted from the atheists, persecuted from the uh, socialists and the liberals and the feminists. So you are persecuted. The church is persecuted. In a way, we feel that we are carrying about in our body the dying of Jesus Christ. We are dying every day. We are literally dying every day in the service. So that is earthen vessel. So how can you speak about this treasure that's in your heart, the treasure of the gospel of Christ, while you feel that you are keeping this treasure in earthen vessel? You are hard-depressed, you are perplexed, you are persecuted, you are struck down, you are dying every day. So how can, with all of this, I can be motivated and I can go and preach the gospel of Christ? But again, St. Paul told us, yes, you are carrying this in an earthen vessel. Why God allowed this? So God can keep the treasure in spite of the fact it is an earthen vessel and make this treasure actually shine to others, help others. So here you can give the glory to God, not yourselves. God is the one who is supporting the ministry. In spite of I am hard depressed, I am perplexed, I am persecuted, I am struck down. In spite of all of this, but the ministry is successful because the glory is from God.
You know, some churches believe in, uh, in like fundraising, uh, like lottery or festivals, selling and buying the church, etc., etc. And they believe that this money will support the ministry. And when I discussed with them how the Lord said, don't make my father's house, house merchandise, I used this word. I remember one person told me, the festival is supporting our ministry. So I told him, now you are giving the glory to the festival, not to God. But when you cancel the festival, and when you cancel all these fundraising activities, and just focus on preaching the word of God, and you will see how God will support your ministry financially. When he sent actually the disciples, told them, don't carry money bags with you. So the power may be of God and not of us. And when they returned, the Lord asked them, did you need anything? And they said, no. So here, that is the earthen vessel. I'm not relying on money. I'm not relying on human wisdom. I'm relying only on God. Like in the gospel today, at your word, I will let down the net for a catch. So when you trust God, in spite of this earthen vessel, what you will find? This, I am hard pressed from each side, but not crushed. Not crushed. You imagine if, if you put something between two huge stones and you press them, it will be crushed. But we are hard pressed from every side, yet not crushed, because Christ is protecting me. Yes, I am perplexed. Sometimes I'm confused. I don't know which direction, which decision. But in spite of this, I am never in despair because I feel the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit guiding me. I am persecuted, but God never forsake me. God actually, when the church was persecuted during the time of persecution, God sent the angels, sent the saints. He himself appeared several times. He supported the martyrs, the confessors, before they die for the name of Christ. Yes, we are persecuted, but not forsaken. Yes, I'm struck down. Many times I feel I'm under the burden of sins, struck down in a way or another, but not destroyed. He actually stretched his hands and lift me up. Yes, I am dying every day with Christ. I am dying, carrying in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as I carry the dying of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, I will actually participate in his resurrection. So as his death is working in me, the life of Jesus also may be manifested in my body. That's why he said, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Yes, we are dying every day for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So in spite of these earthen vessels, but we will never be forsaken. We will never be 
for saying. That's why we don't lose heart. The third point in verse 16, he said, therefore we will not lose heart even though our out, out, outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. What does it mean out, outward man is perishing? I am getting old. I am tired. I am getting sick. I am getting ill. I don't have energy like before. So sometimes we feel that the outward man is perishing. When we grow and get older, then we are not energetic like before. So sometimes the person say, you know, I cannot serve anymore. Now I am old, so somebody else, younger generation, can take the service from me. But we saw in our time, Pope Shenouda, while he was 89 years old, suffering from three cancers, his outward man was perishing, but he insisted to give the sermon and to meet the people one week before or 10 days before his departure. Why? Why Pope Shinoda did this in his old age with all these cancers attacking his body? With this very, very weak outward man is perishing. You know why? Because until the last breath, the inward man in him was renewed day by day. He is the outward man is perishing. But from inside, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus working in him. So he insisted to go and pray and meet the people and preach the word of God to do his service. That's actually uh, why we do not lose heart. Because the Holy Spirit inside us is renewing like eagle our strength and our body as we read in verse uh, in Isaiah chapter 40. And the fourth reason is the uh, affliction, affliction and the hardships in our life. So as I told you, Sirach said, my son, if you prepared yourself to serve the Lord, prepare yourself to many afflictions and hardships. But we do not lose heart. You know why? Verse 17, he said, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. So St. Paul described, yes, it's affliction, but it is light and it is for a moment. How come it's not for a moment? It takes years or months or weeks. I have been attacked for so many days, for many weeks, for many years. How you are seeing for a moment? And it is not light. I feel burdened from inside. But he said, no, 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 no. Compare it with the glory. If actually you compare it for the glory, the glory actually is heavy. And it is uh, eternal. That's why he said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding an eternal 
weight of glory. So, yes, there is affliction, but this affliction will turn into glory. This glory is heavy, far exceeding. So if you compare the affliction with this glory, it will be light. This glory is eternal. So you compare the affliction, even if it, is, it took so many years, it is for a moment. So the light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So these are the four reasons that may make any servant lose heart. The veiled gospel, the earthen vessels, the afflictions, and the perishing of the outward man. Then the question, why we should not lose heart in spite of all of this? Why we should not lose heart? Number one, in verse one, St. Paul said, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received the mercy, we do not lose heart. So in this verse, he is giving two reasons. The ministry, the quality of the ministry, and the mercies of God. What did he mean by since we have this ministry? Actually, in chapter 3, St. Paul compared about the ministry of the new covenant with the ministry of the old covenant and made actually seven differences between the ministry of the old covenant and the ministry of this covenant, new covenant. Um, actually, I have a lecture about these seven differences. You can listen to it on SoundCloud or on YouTube. But just to, to give you an idea, if I send you with a message to go to somebody to tell him you are under the sentence of death and you are required to be executed, that's one message. Another message you are going to a person in prison who is waiting to be executed. And you tell him, now you are free. You're innocent. All the charges against you are dropped. And you will be released. And your record will be clean. Which messenger will be motivated more? The first one, who is declaring death, or the second one, who is giving the message of life, innocence, righteousness. Definitely the second one will be more motivated. In the Old Testament, or the Old Covenant, you give them commandment, and you tell them, if you break one of these commandments, then you will be cursed and you shall surely die. If you eat from this forbidden tree, you shall surely die. And the people cannot keep the commandment because they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. So as if you are preaching this to them, 
You are giving them a commandment and telling them, if you don't do it, you shall surely die. That's the ministry of the Old Covenant. But the ministry of the New Covenant, all of us who are the sentence of this, so you are going to the people and tell them, you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled the requirement of the law on your behalf. If you accept him and you become one with him through baptism and chrismation, through repentance and communion, you will actually get the righteousness of Christ to be your own righteousness. All the charges against you will be dropped because he died on the cross on your behalf. You will be free. Nothing will be in your record. As we say, tear the handwriting of our sins of Christ our God. He tore it on the cross. So St. Paul said, we have this ministry, the glorious ministry of the new covenant. Then we should not lose heart. We are going preaching to the people freedom, liberty, righteousness, the love of God, the salvation, the eternal glory. That is what we are preaching to the people. So we should be motivated. We should not lose heart. The second point, we are doing all of this by his mercy. As we have received mercy. As he said in chapter 3, our sufficiency is not from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God who made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant. So God did not send me without equipment. He equipped me. He gave me all the tools that I need. And he did all of this because of his mercy, because of his love. So why, why you are afraid? Why you are hesitant? Why you are reluctant? Why you are perplexed? You should not be. You have this glorious ministry and you have the mercy of God that will support you in your ministry. Why you are confused? Don't be. We should not lose heart. The third reason he said in, in verse 6, he compared the creation with our ministry. In the creation, there was darkness. And then God said, let it be light. And then the light shone, just by word. So St. Paul said, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness in the creation. The same God who actually commanded light to shine out of darkness, the same God who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the same God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, the same God will enlighten your heart. And not enlighten your heart only, but will let your heart shining, reflecting the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, meaning when you preach Jesus to the people and they will accept him as their Lord, Savior, and King. Don't lose heart. There was darkness on earth, 
But God was able to command light of darkness. So if you are going to people who are darkness, who are blinded, don't lose heart. God is with you. God is able to let light shine in this darkness. It is the same God. So don't be, uh, don't fall in despair. Don't lose heart. The fourth reason uh, he said in verse uh, 11, uh, he repeated twice, 10 and 11. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. He repeated in verse 10, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal body. How? How? He said beautifully in verse 12, Death is working in us, but life in you. How the life of Jesus is manifested? Why actually we take communion? Why we come to the church every Sunday and we take communion? Why? Because when our mortal body is united with the Lord Jesus Christ, his body, we call it life-giving flesh. So when our mortal body is united with the life-giving flesh, then the life of Jesus will be manifested on me. It is no longer I who live, but Jesus who lives in me. So, even if your outward man is uh, perishing, you have the life of Jesus inside you. In spite of the affliction, in spite of the persecution, you have the light of Jesus in you. Uh, Peter and John went to the temple and they saw a crippled man sitting there, a paralytic man, and he asked them for money. But the Lord sent them, uh, without money, he told them, don't take silver or gold. So Peter told him, silver or gold, I don't have. I don't have. But I have the life of Jesus. That's what they have. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And this man rose and walked and actually was jumping from joy. If they give him money, it would not benefit him. But that is the life of Jesus. Don't lose heart. Our ministry starts from here. And our ministry ends here. Meaning, I attend the liturgy and partake from the body so I can get this life inside me. I go and preach Jesus, then I bring the people to the table of the Lord. So the life of Jesus will work in them. So from outside, the death is working in us. From outside, we are dying, we are getting tired. But in reality, we are doing this so the life will be working in you, in our students. Number five, the fifth reason in verse 13. Another reason why we do not lose heart. He said, and since we have the same spirit of faith, 
according to what's written, I believe and therefore I spoke. So also believe and therefore speak. Who said this? I believed and therefore I spoke. Jesus, uh, sorry, David in the book of Psalms. And David said this by what? By the Holy Spirit. And do we have the same Holy Spirit that spoke in David? Yes, we have the whole same Holy Spirit that worked in David. So since we have the same spirit of faith, the same spirit that was in, in David, same spirit I have it. David said, I believed and therefore I spoke. So also we believe and we therefore we speak. You know, when you believe in something, for example, if you believe there is certain medicine will help the people or will protect the people or certain vaccine protect the people from this virus. And you believe in it. You believe 100% in it. You will go and speak because you believe in it. We believe that Jesus came for our salvation. We believe that he, he came to preach liberty, freedom, uh, righteousness, salvation, eternal glory, eternal inheritance. We believe in this. Because we believe and we have the same spirit, we go and preach. We go and speak. Because, as St. Paul said to Timothy, I am confident in what I believed. I am confident in what I believe. I am not just following some philosophy that can be wrong one day. No. What we believe in is the absolute truth. And because of this, I speak. Regardless of all the challenges, regardless of all the attacks around us, but I will continue to speak. We have the same spirit of faith. Number six, in verse 15, he said, For all things are for your sakes. God, give us everything we need. If you go to turn your Bible, Second Peter, verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has who called us by glory and virtue. So God gave us everything we need through the knowledge of the Holy Trinity. So through this knowledge, you received everything you need. Everything. So St. Paul is saying, since all things are for you, in verse 15, all things are for your sakes, that the grace having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. So, all things means we received this grace. And the grace is a free gift given to us, not based on our worthiness, but based on the, God, the, the richness of love 
and the abundance of mercy of the giver. So we have this grace. The, all things that we received is the grace of God. So since you have this grace, <coughs> through the ministry, the grace is spread to many. And this actually caused thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Everybody will be grateful. Everybody will, will give God thanks. Everybody will glorify God. So the sixth reason, I have the grace of God. I have, God give me everything that I need for me to live in righteousness and godliness and also to preach the word to others. So why should I uh, lose heart? The last point, why we should not lose heart, you'll find it in verse 18. We are different from the people. We don't look at the things which are seen. Why? Because the things that are seen are temporary. But we look at the things which are not seen. Because the things which are not seen are eternal. So we are living actually in two worlds. The seen world and the unseen world. The unseen world is the spiritual world. The seen world is the materialistic world. If you focus on what is seen, you will lose heart. Because what you are going to see, persecution, affliction, challenges, confusion, that's what you are going to see. But if you look at the unseen, the spiritual world, you will find grace, richness of love, abundance of mercy, forbearance, long-suffering of God, the eternal glory that's waiting for you, the cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us. So, like Stephen, if Stephen looked at what is seen, what would he see? Stones thrown at him. So he decided to look at the unseen. He looked at heaven. And when he looked at heaven, at the unseen, what did he find? He found the Son of God standing at the right hand of, of God. And he saw the glory. Once he started looking at the unseen, he was comforted. Even he prayed for people and he told God, don't charge them with this sin. So train yourself to look at the spiritual world, at what is not seen, not at what is seen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is uh, eternal. So he gave us seven reasons why we should not lose heart. The glorious ministry that we have, the mercies of God, the light of, of God that shone out of darkness in the Old Testament, now is shining in us. The life of Jesus that we receive it through communion, the spirit of faith that spoke in David, I believe, and that's why I speak. The abundance of grace that's working in us. And finally, because we are looking at what not seen, 
but we are looking at what, sorry, we are not looking at what is seen, but we are looking at what is not seen. So now we spoke about the four challenges that may cause us fall in despair, the seven reasons why we should not lose heart. Finally, then, after I know that I should not lose heart in spite of this, how can I apply it? What is the application in my life? St. Paul mentioned uh, five applications. The first, uh, first application in verse 2. We have renounced the hidden things of shame. What does it mean? Sometimes we do things that bring shame to myself in front of God. But now since I received this glorious ministry and God entrusted me with this glorious ministry, should I fall in this hidden sins that bring shame to me? No, I should not do this. We have renounced the hidden things of shame. To live in integrity, I will not actually do anything in secret that will bring me shame. Because how can I stand before God or stand before others while I am carrying all this in my heart? So the first application as servants, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. For example, I cannot just preach here Sunday school and then in a reception, I drink and I dance and get drunk and I'm Sunday school servant. So how come? How come there is no integrity? How come there is no consistency in your life? No, we have renounced the hidden things of shame that bring shame. The second application, he said, not walking in craftiness. Not walking in craftiness. Some people use the wisdom of the world. So when you go and preach the gospel, if you are using craftiness, cunning to win the people to Christ, no. Because this means you don't understand the glory of the ministry you, you received. As we said, our ministry is supported by the grace of God. So how can you rely on the craftiness and the cunning and the earthly wisdom? St. Paul, in his letter, first letter to Corinthians chapter 2, he said, when I came to you, I did not come relying on the wisdom of men, but on the Holy Spirit. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? Why, Paul, when you, you are eloquent, you are a philosopher, why you don't preach relying on the persuasive word of human wisdom? He said that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want you to, be, uh, to believe 
through the power of God, not through the persuasive word of wisdom. Understanding our ministry and the glory of our ministry will prevent us from walking in craftiness or using cunning and persuasive word. No, we will rely on the demonstration of the Spirit. The third application, verse 2 also, he said, not nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Some people nowadays, they twist the scripture in order to fit the human uh, ideology. For example, some people twist the scripture to prove homosexuality from the scripture. So they are telling, you know, the friendship between David and Nathan was, or Jonathan, is a homosexual relationship. How come? How you twist? How you handle the word of God deceitfully? You should not handle the word of God deceitfully. In every divine liturgy, you hear handling the word of God in truth. As St. Paul said to uh, Timothy, you are a servant of the word. If you know this glorious ministry, don't twist the interpretation of the gospel in order to fit what the people want to hear. Don't twist the scripture in order to please people. If you please people, you are not servant of God. Don't. You received a glorious ministry. Don't handle the word of God deceitfully. The fourth application, but by the manif- by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So the fourth application is to preach the truth. When we speak about the word of God, the teaching of the scripture is the absolute truth. Don't believe there is no absolute truth. The people of relativism, that they try to tell you everything is relative, there is no difference between the different religions of the world. You can just worship in the way you want. There is no difference between all the denominations in Christianity. You can be Catholic, you can be Orthodox, you can be Protestant, you can be Jehovah's Witness, you can be Mormon. Everything is acceptable. No, no, and no. You need actually to follow the truth, to manifest the truth, and to preach the truth. God entrusted you with the word of God, this glorious ministry of the new covenant. If you are going to preach people freedom and liberty and salvation and eternal glory, but you give them a different gospel, they will not be free. They will not be saved. They will not receive the eternal glory. So you are deceiving the people. You need to preach the word of truth. So the first application is manifestation of the truth. The last application, uh, he said it in verse 5, 
we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. I'm not just want to have audience or popularity or people to speak about me as a hero or to be able to, sp- to speak about me as the pioneer. No, no, no. I'm not preaching myself. I am to you a servant, a bond servant, literally actually a slave. What's, what St. Paul said, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, you're bond servants for Jesus' sake. We are your slaves. So as a Sunday school servant, you should know that you are a servant to the people, born the servant, a slave to them. You are not preaching yourself. You are not making popularity. You are not making a party following you against the party that's following another servant. No, you are uh, entrusted with glorious ministry. That's why we do not preach ourselves. So these are the five applications after we understand the ministry that we received from God. Number one, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Number two, not walking in craftiness. Number three, not handling the word of God deceitfully. Number four, but we handle the word of God by the manifestation of the truth. And number five, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, our Lord, and ourselves, your bond servant for Jesus' sake. So this is actually a beautiful chapter, a beautiful chapter. St. Paul explained to us the challenges that may make some of us fall into despair. Then he gave us seven reasons why we should not fall into despair. And then he told us, now after you understand the glory of your ministry, these are some practical applications that you need to follow in your ministry. May the Lord make all of us faithful and wise servant for the glory of his holy name. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.